What a weekend for the Auburn Tigers. They added a ton of talented players to the transfer portal. Like Demario Tolan. How much experience is he really bringing to the Plains? Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every Monday, Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com, also the host of ML, uh, Locked On MLB Prospects. Lindsey, what a loaded, loaded weekend for Auburn. Getting transfer guys seemingly at will. Also got some high school commits that are very, very exciting You know, when you think about the future. But the first guy I think we've got to talk about is the guy from this weekend. Uh, since we did a full show on offensive tackle Gunner Britton, let's focus on Demario Tolan, mm-hmm. the former LSU linebacker at what I believe you agreed with me when I said this uh, for the last few weeks. Linebacker is a big position of need and a big concern when you looked at the makeup of the roster going into the weekend. And all of a sudden, you get a guy like Demario Tolan, former four-star kid before he ultimately chose the LSU Tigers, offers significantly more upside when you put him next to Cam Riley. I think Demario Tolan wins in this situation. I think Cam Riley wins in this situation. I think a lot of Auburn's defense wins in this situation as well. Yeah, I mean, 6'2", 222, and to listen to... Brian Kelly talked about Demario Tolan and what he was good at and what he was skilled at. He talked about uh, having the same instincts as senior line linebacker Micah Baskerville. Mm. This might be a true freshman, like pass coverage, how to attack the line of scrimmage, and then having amazing athletic ability. And it reminds me a lot of what we had heard about a young Owen Papo mm. as far as being incredibly athletic with sideline to sideline speed, good in pass coverage, and you could develop the ability to attack the line of scrimmage using his raw tools. Uh, and this room, I, I did a, a depth chart piece for Auburn Daily that dropped on Sunday afternoon. And yeah. when I went back and I looked, I didn't realize how top-heavy our room was, our linebacker room was. I mean, you had eight scholarship players before you added Demario Tolan. And of those eight, six of them were juniors or seniors. And so... Wow. This is it, it. It feels like this is the same position that offensive line was two years ago, where like you can see in the future you're going to have an issue unless you go out and get guys. And getting a guy like Tolan who has three or four years of eligibility remaining is huge for this program. Yeah, and so I, I want to speculate the impact of adding a guy like this is. So on one side of it. We're all like, okay, great. There's experience being added to the linebacker room. And while that's true, I think proper perspective is needed. I don't want to get carried away with this, Lindsay. And it, let, let me preface this by Demario Tolan. He makes this roster better. He makes the defense better. He makes the linebacking unit better. Let me lead with that. But let's don't act like he was some super experienced backer. He played 74 snaps on defense for LSU. And like you said, it was his first year in college football. His defensive grade was a 58.4 when you look at pro football focus across those 74 snaps. He played his largest game 
was against Alabama. He played 20 snaps on defense, and that was his highest grade of the season. So you like to see that. Played the most against the best opponent that they played and ultimately won that game. And I think part of that had to do with what Tolan brought defensively, and ultimately they won that game in overtime, which is exciting for all parties involved with the exception of Alabama. But I, I, I just want to say, like, this isn't... This isn't some like, okay, yeah, like this isn't Gunner Britton, right? For like the offensive line where it's like, oh yeah, he's our left tackle. Like, there's, there's no more questions asked. Unless something really bad happens, Gunner Britton is the left tackle. Like it, it was that kind of thing. I don't think DeMario Tolan is necessarily that. I do think he will be one of the first two linebackers on the field if Auburn starts the, the game with, with two linebackers in some sort of a 4-2-5 situation. Mm -hmm. I do think he's probably going to be second most in total snaps when you look at the linebackers at the end of the year. That's my prediction right now, and I don't think it's a hot take. But I think we need to kind of go into this pickup with proper expectations. And I think part of the reason why people are getting a little, not going to say overexcited, but a little enthusiastic about the Tolan pickup is when you look at the other guys in the room you're bringing yeah. back, mm -hmm. the only two that have starting experience, Cam Riley, Wes Steiner. Uh, Cam <laughs> Riley, right, 57.2 score. For PFF, West Steiner, 56.3. And so Tolan has the same grade as them despite three years less time in college football. And so... Do you have how many snaps Wesley Steiner played last year? Uh, yes, Wesley Steiner played 348 snaps. So I, I just want people to think about that, right? If you're watching a, a daily Auburn show in January, you noticed when Wesley Steiner was on the field. And you noticed it wasn't a lot. And we're talking about Tolan, who played 70 snaps. And so just you talk about total impact on a defense. Once again, I think proper perspective is needed with this, Lindsay. Yeah, it's a I feel like having the baseball guy on is like the proper person to discuss this because it's a potential thing, right? Like, sure. in essence, he's a he's a prospect for for Auburn, whereas Cam Rodney West Steiner, you have these these players who have gotten play time and just it, they've never really come along like you expected them to. And so you're starting to think maybe they're busts. Yes. Yeah. So like that, I think that's the perspective to take is you're going to probably have camp right now. If I had to guess cam Riley uh, and Mario Tolan are your two starters, but Robert Woodyard is in the room and has had yes. a year to acclimate to, to college. Tolan obviously has done a lot of that strength and conditioning work already. And then you have other guys in that room, Powell Gordon as well. Sure. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway here this is this is still a position of need. Auburn yes. still has more work to do to find more guys, whether it's Ahmad McCullough from Maryland. I've heard he's visiting Auburn or is looking at visiting or we're interested in him. I think uh, we told him to not visit, actually, because oh. we felt we felt so good about Demario Tolan. That's what I was told. Wow. Yes. So, like, obviously, we have more work to do in the room as far as portal and prep recruiting to bring in more starting options going forward. Because yeah. after this year, uh, technically that is the last senior year or that is you're done with the senior year for Cam Riley, West Steiner, Eugene Asante, the UNC transfer that barely played last year, Desmond Tisdall and Cam Br Cameron Brown. They're all finished with their senior years and could come back for a super senior year, but yeah. either way you're in a tough place. It's like the offensive line was two years ago. I want to share my favorite part of this. We went a little long on the negative. There's a lot of positive with DeMario Tolan, and I want to explain exactly what I mean in just a moment. And also, let's talk about 
another position group of need that seems to be checked off now at this point, the defensive line. What a huge weekend for Auburn and Auburn's defensive line. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. If you've ever just been stressed about hiring the right people for your small business, medium-sized business, large business, it doesn't matter. But if you've ever been focused on putting the right people in the right places to succeed to help benefit you, well, you need to head over to LinkedIn Jobs. In 2023, it all depends on the team members you surround yourself with when you talk about success. That's why you have to check out our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster, point blank. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Lindsey Crosby, our guest. My favorite thing about DeMar Tolan is when you look at LSU fans, LSU media members, LSU radio hosts, they're upset that he left. And as soon as he leaves, if you go back and look at some stuff, there's a lot of finger pointing, right? Matt Muscana, who I think is one of the best radio hosts in the country. He hosts, um, you know, he hosts one of the biggest shows in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And I went on there once and bombed. It was great. You, you didn't bomb. It was fine. But <laughs> <laughs> lost my train of thought. No, but he, he points out and he's like, as soon as he entered the portal, he laid out the groundwork of like, it didn't make sense for Demario Tolan to leave. And so he's like, it must be tampering. There must be something going on. He 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 led with the whole like, hey, I'm speculating here. And then he started to kind of hint that wherever he ends up, there may be some rule breaking going on. And you don't do that, Lindsay, for folks that you're okay with leaving your program. And yeah. to me, that is an encouraging thing. LSU, the team that just won the best division in college football a season ago, they lose one of their young linebackers and they're upset about it. To me, that is... a every reason in the world to be excited about adding this kid. Yeah, that is the canary in the coal mine as far as, like, we didn't process this guy. We didn't want him to leave. And it's entirely possible that there it, there's just something outside of money, football and money why he left. I mean, maybe his girlfriend goes to Auburn. I, it, it, could, it could be anything. Uh, but it is a good sign when it's not only a power five guy, like we've talked about with some of these transfers, but it's an SEC West guy and it's somebody who they see as a building block. And so it's just another reason why I feel like this team is doing a, or this coaching staff is doing a great job of going out and getting quality players versus just getting a quantity to fill a room. And none of these transfers have I looked at this and said, oh, that's just a dude to give us a body. Every single one of them, you can see how they could fit in to what we're wanting to do on offense or on defense. I and, and so the fact that you got a building block of a guy who can play for two or three years and it makes an SEC West rival worse, it's the best of both worlds. Yeah, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. All right, so Auburn did uh, some good things on the defensive line this week. Lawrence Johnson sounds like he was like a silent commit for forever. And then Sunday, it finally popped. Um, the defensive lineman from Purdue, 6'4", 285. And they also added the defensive lineman from Maryland, a little bit different build. Messiah Nasili Kite, he that's is listed at 6'2". So hard to stay all year. Yeah, it's going to be a lot. I think we need to go with like with M- 
in K or something. We'll, we'll figure it out. But MK. Six, you have Mbot MK. There you go. Done. Uh, yeah, maybe. We'll see. At six, he's like 6'2", 298 or something. So let's just say 300. Um, I like both of these guys for different reasons. And, and like you said, every person that they've added from the JUCO level to you know the, the transfer portal situation, all of them is like, okay, you could see what they're doing with the roster. Because they went into this period where it's like, okay, they've got a starting defensive line that you feel pretty good about. But from a rotation standpoint, it's like there's a lot of question marks. And there's some guys who are like, okay, they may be ready. You know, NC Sledge, maybe he can take a step forward or things like that. You feel good about rotating in Lawrence Johnson and Messiah and a silly kite. Like you just do. You just feel good about it. And so that's great. And then including the, the JUCO guys that, that are coming in. You absolutely love that. But, you know, with the thin defensive line, you had a thin offensive line, you had a thin linebacking core, you had a thin, you know, edge situation. And all of those position groups now you look at and you're like, yeah, I kind of feel good about this. Like, this feels better, which is great. And, and I don't know if, like, I don't know if the ceiling was raised in those position groups with the exception of offensive line. But, like, I don't know if, like, adding these guys raises your ceiling of your defensive line, but your floor goes up tremendously, right? Because, like, you know, if Jason Jones has to battle something or Marcus Harris has to battle something or... Zeke Walker has to battle something for a few games. All of a sudden, you could put one of these guys in. And I would assume, Lindsay, since their builds are different, Messiah Nasili Kite at 6'2", 300, probably your Jason Jones backup, and then Lawrence Johnson at 6'4", 285, probably your Marcus Harris or, you know, whoever you start a defensive end, which maybe Marcus Harris, maybe Jeffrey Inba, who knows. But, like, they do different things and offer depth in different ways, and I think there's a lot to like about it. Yeah, and I... I think that's the big thing. Think of this like we thought about, or I guess we we ended up thinking about the Marcus Bragg signing last year, where at first they brought in Marcus Bragg, and we were like, I don't quite know. I don't quite think he fits, or he has a lot of... And then you lose, yeah. you know, you lose an edge to injury, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with Eguleta tearing a peck. Yeah. And Marcus Bragg comes up and steps up and plays respectably and keeps your floor high. That's, that's sure. the perfect way to explain what these guys do, is... If you have an injury or maybe even two injuries, you can plug in somebody who's 90% as good, has already passed the learning curve of playing in college, getting the experience and and being a veteran versus somebody who is talented but younger and inexperienced like an NC Sledge or a true freshman like a Keldrick Falk or something. You have guys that have done this before. Let me ask you this. Okay, When I look at this Lauren Johnson guy, which is funny because our Locked On Virginia host's name is Lawrence Johnson, so that's going to be a fun conversation. It's the um, same guy that's wild. Um, I wonder if it is. No, it's not. But he's 6'4", 285. When I was looking at this guy's tape, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to act like I've watched a ton of Purdue defensive line tape. I'm not going to like lie to you. But That's I not how you fall asleep at night? That's what I do. <laughs> okay. Probably would work. Yeah. But I, I think I kind of got flashbacks with like the simulator. Both these guys have... I believe both these guys only have one year left of eligibility. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I think I'm right on that. You're right. And so, to me, the Lawrence Johnson one feels like Morris Joseph a year ago to me. Now, I think Morris Joseph had more production from a pass rushing standpoint. Lawrence Johnson, I think, is more of a space eater. And so their roles are a little different. But if you got a Morris Joseph type level of impact from Lawrence Johnson, are you happy? I know you mentioned Marcus Bragg. I think Marcus Bragg had a bigger impact on the defense than Morris Joseph did. But mm-hmm. if Lawrence Johnson 
had the same impact that Morris Joseph did from a year ago this upcoming season. Are you happy with this pickup? Yes, I, I am. am too. I am too. Because you have so many young players in that room, just guys mm-hmm. that haven't had a chance to do it yet. And so rather than having to f- rely on one of them to step into the SEC West, because if an injury happens, it's probably going to happen partway through the season when you've gotten past all of your paycheck games and your warm-up games and your in-conference play. Yeah. And so, you know, like, look at Bragg. Marcus Bragg having to come in. It's something where you didn't have to throw Dylan Brooks in, who has, like, while talented, has barely played at Auburn in the time he's been here. You had a veteran option. That's exactly what these guys give you. Uh, And if you have a Morris Joseph-type impact, I'm happy because these guys are insurance. That's what these guys are. You don't you don't ever think about your insurance until you need to file a claim on your insurance. These sure. guys are insurance, and I'm probably not going to think about them that much until the season starts. And then as soon as somebody goes down and one of these guys jogs, I'm be like, oh, I, I am so glad we went out and got these guys in January. I think, I think we're going to see a deeper rotation this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. And then we did a year ago and Back even the, the year before school. that, um, just because this old, this, the last coaching staff did it really do that. I don't know if that was a Harson thing. I don't know if that was a Brumball thing last year. I don't know if it was a Schmetting thing, whatever. Schmetting's at Washington state now, DC congrats to him. Good Shut job. Up, um, but I, I think, I think you're going to see a deeper rotation similar to what you saw, like under the Rodney Garner era. Mm-hmm. of Auburn football, which is when we had really good defensive lines. And oh, you mean the Marlon Davidson, Derek Brown days? <laughs> uh, yes. Not going to compare to not going to complain about comparing the defensive line to those guys. No. And I don't know if we have one of those guys on the team, but like, no. I do think when you do that the right way, it'll elevate guys like Marcus Harris and the upside of Jeffrey Embaugh, because if they're playing, you know, not 80 or 90 snaps a game and playing 60 all of a sudden, uh, I, I think you kind of get more out of them and it's going to lower the case of uh, the chance of injury as well. So I like it. There, there's nothing to not like about this. And also, you know, we do just need bodies in these rooms, but I think we got guys that are actually going to play, which is, which is good. And, and you, don't, you don't tell these guys with one year left of eligibility to come here if you don't plan on playing them. Or like that would just be a really crappy thing to do. I just don't think yeah. that's going to be part of it. So I like it. I like all of this. Yeah, I it's it's the people that we have hired feel like they're they're better people than that. Like that's not something an Auburn man would do. Would be just be like, hey, you should come here. We're just going to bench you the whole time. I mean, do you it's see you freeze at the basketball game? Do you see that smile? You think that smile is going to lie to you? Do you hear that say the ovation? The people appreciate it. I love him. It's it's so great. Yeah. Um. Whereas the last group was like, hey, Zach Calzada, you should come transfer here. We're not going to play you, but you should come here. That's a whole different story. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's, the pitch of these guys is definitely, we're going to have a deep rotation. You're going to be a big part of that. You're going to have a chance to put some, some quality film on tape against quality opponents and then try to make your case to the league. Yeah, okay. So I don't think Auburn's fully done on the defensive line. I'll tell you what I mean in a second with that. Also, it looks like we're still looking to add a running back. And let's kind of address some of the rumors going on about the quarterback transfer situation. I'll come in up right here 
on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, your number one source for all of your sports betting info, stats, news, analysis, whatever you need. Bet Online has it with more props, odds, and lines than anyone out there. Be sure to check them out. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Lindsey Crosby, our guest every single Monday, writer at AuburnDaily.com, host of Locked On MLB Prospects. All right, let's stay on the topic of defensive line just for a second. It looks like they're pursuing Justin Rogers. I believe he's a former five-star on some places. I think he's a former four-star on some places as well. But former really highly regarded kid, defensive tackle at Kentucky, Lindsey. He's looking at Auburn. I believe he visited this weekend. And uh, he's looking at a few other SEC schools. So that's telling to me that even though you got these two guys already committing via the portal, you're not quite done if you can kind of get a top talent like that. And he's the kind of guy that comes in and it's like, oh, okay, maybe maybe not all these guys are surefire starters. And, and that's when it starts to get really interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's, according to Kentucky's website, 6'3", 332. That's, that's your Jason Jones back. That's nose tackle size right there. Mm-hmm. Um, You're right. And I, yeah, and, and so he gives you that, that physical big body. We don't have a lot of guys who are, I mean, we have guys who are 300-ish. We don't have guys who are significantly larger than that. He was a preseason fourth-team All-SEC guy. Uh, didn't get a ton, a ton of run this year. I believe there were some mitigating factors there. But, um, mm. no, no, absolutely. I mean, he's looking at Miami. He's looking at a couple different places. He would can move so you, well, too. Yeah. Uh, visited LSU. Um, would, would give you somebody who, who has played nose tackle at a high level behind Jason Jones. I think there, and there obviously is situations where you could put both those guys on the field together. And it's like, Hey, you want to run the ball? We've got 700 pounds of beef in the a gap. (laughs) You have to get a yard, right? One yard. Great. Move this 700 pounds of man to do it. Yeah. Or run outside. And then somebody like M bar Harris can uh, just penetrate. And um, sorry, you're not getting our defensive front. is going to be Jason Jones, Justin Rogers, Jeffrey Imba and Zykevius Walker on fourth and one. Good M- luck. Messiah and the silly kite. I want him at 300 as well. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Those five, we're running the five two. good luck at moving 1,575 pounds of block of, of defensive linemen to get this yard. No, it, it, it gives you something there too. And so that'll be fun to see. And I'm going to spend more time talking about this probably throughout spring practice. Cause that's going to be something I'm looking at during the open practice periods, assuming the, the free staffs gives us some of this, but last year, and just talking to folks close to the situation last year, it sounded like there was a little bit of frustration in regards to like the lack of complexity with how they use the defensive line. They call like four stunts a game. It was very, very odd. And um, I, I'm curious to see if the m- mindset of, you know, kind of how you use defensive linemen changes. So that, that's a discussion for a different day. All right. Well, uh, Knowing how Ron Roberts does things with the creepers and how he likes to disguise where his pressure is coming from, yes. I can almost guarantee you agree. you're gonna there's gonna be like one time a game when you get mad because you see a defensive tackle in zone coverage, but it's also gonna be a lot more effective at 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 stunts and twists and getting unblocked rushers to the quarterback. So Jason Jones interception. I'm calling it now. We get one this year. Big boy touchdown. <laughs> uh, all right, large U- rumble. USF running back Brian Battle. Sounds like he uh, he's talking with Auburn, and uh, I think he actually visited Auburn this past weekend. That's a report from AuburnLive.com. And now 
He's heading to Colorado. I'm not like saying we need this guy, but it's just interesting. You know, they missed out on Dylan Johnson, the former Mississippi State running back who committed to Washington. Auburn was like in his top two or three there, uh, committed to Washington. Um, and, th- and now they're talking to this guy, Brian Battle. I'm just a little surprised, Lindsay, that with as much as we need in other places that we're interested in throwing a scholarship at the running back room. I said this with Dylan Johnson. I wasn't upset when he went somewhere else. Not because he's not good. I actually think he's a pretty good player, but it's like, I don't know why we need it. And just looking at Brian Battle, you know, uh, I watched a few of his highlight tapes and stuff like that that's on YouTube. And it's like, it's fine, but like, I think he'd be our fourth best running back. And so I, I just don't know if that's worth it. I'd rather get like a, you know, get a lottery pick of another linebacker or an edge player or, you know, some kind of limited offensive lineman than, than this, but um, we'll see. Yeah. I think the flip side of this is uh, we don't have a ton of starting experience in that room. Jarquez Hunter, second year in the program, obviously got 300 something snaps last year. Sure. Uh, But outside of that, Demari Alston got just under 50 snaps. Sean Jackson literally had one snap on offense last year. Uh, and so it's, I would have taken the over on that going into the season last year, wouldn't you? Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a situation where I think it's the same thing. It raises the floor. It gives you a veteran who can come in and provide yeah. a base level of competency. Now, granted, I do think the running back position is the most fungible in football as far as you can plug a, a young guy in there and they can eat because so much of it's instinctual and so much of it is, is pass, pass protections. The biggest thing. And that was the next point I was going to make was Jarquez Hunter, 138 snaps. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Small sample size, so only 21 snaps in pass blocking last year, but he graded out at a 25.8 per PFF. And so I think there is a a place there for a veteran like a Brian Battle to come in to be in obvious passing downs, to catch the ball, to pass block. Sure. Uh, to do some of that dirty work that it's harder to teach a young player that is that like some of these guys just are really good at. He's Mm -hmm. from what I understand, he's a decent pass blocker. Maybe it's something like a veteran mentor presence plus a floor. If you lose guys to injury, Brian battles, a great name though. So Uh, it's a fantastic name. I would go to war with that name. I would definitely battle with them. There's no question about it. Yeah. Um, Quarterback speculation. So, Spencer Sanders is the name that a lot of people kind of expected Auburn to land over the weekend. And it doesn't sound like he visited, even though he was kind of supposed to based on some rumors and some reports. And it seemed like he was an Ole Miss this weekend at Oxford. And it sounds like Oxford's the new favorite to land him. I'm not sure of all the details as to why he didn't come to Auburn, but I don't think... I no longer think he will commit to Auburn when it's all said and done. I may be wrong, but I just feel like if Auburn was the favorite for his services, he would have been here this weekend. Whether it was Auburn's call, whether it was Spencer Sanders' call, I don't know. But I just I don't have a, a gut feeling on him coming here anymore. There are other quarterbacks out there. This is something where, and you're higher than everybody else, on Robbie Ashford. There are multiple options. I think at this point, there's nobody out there that's a slam dunk 100% absolutely is the starter like you have with a gun Britain at left tackle. And so uh, whether you go out and you get somebody, there could be somebody who's not in the portal yet. You do yeah. still have time to enter the portal. 
uh, or whether it's you take somebody, you know, maybe after the bowl game, somebody from Georgia or TCU or bowl game after tonight's national championship. Maybe somebody yeah. is going to transfer a Brock Vandergriff or something like that. That'd I'm not saying he's going to. I'm just throwing out names from those rosters that I know. Uh, but you have time still. And I think at this point, all of the slam dunk uh, number one quarterbacks are gone. And so anybody yeah. you bring in now is depth, but you have to have somebody for depth. You can't just roll with this room, this inexperienced young room, as your only three stars at quarterbacks. Yeah, that's where I, I I disagree with that more than other people, and that's certainly what most people say. But like, I just I think last year's situation with like almost running out of quarterbacks was a little ridiculous and a little like culturally, you know, he had some issues there. But we'll see. I, I do I do think if a P5 quarterback enters the portal this week, say from like the ACC or something, I'd be interested to see if Auburn pursued them. So there we go. Uh, Lindsay, how can people find you, hear you, love you, all that stuff, buddy? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked on MLB Prospects, available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. You can find the writing, auburndaily.com. Just dropped a big depth chart there. And the merch, AUShirts.com. Yes, you can find all my written work at AuburnDaily.com as well. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.